0: The following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised.
1: Greetings, Herkman, and uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal.
0: I'm
2: going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of Brady. <laughs> I
3: think Jackal's a Latino?
2: I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you
3: The Jackal. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Jackal's Head, right here on PSN Network. It's uh, another beautiful Sunday night. I haven't been on in a, a very long time, but right now it is July 23rd, 2023. That's right, folks. My last show was in December of 2022. And it took me this long to get back to you. But here I am, and uh, we're going to uh, kick off the uh, show here tonight with a couple of uh, clips that I got for you in a couple of minutes. It's uh, another interesting uh, month here in uh, 2023. Of course, we're all just waiting for the next shoe to drop with this misadministration we have in the uh White House currently, it's sad to know that you live in a country where you have an entire political scandal going on, and I want to get serious for a minute here, and nobody on a certain uh, side wants to do anything about it, and they're completely dismissing criminal activity that if it you know if any of us did it we would all be in prison and uh i'm talking of course i'm talking about the big guy in the white house joe biden and uh we're gonna talk about him a little more as the show goes on because there's a whole lot to uh, get to folks i got some uh like i said i have a long clip i want to play for you which exposes not just joe biden but mrs lee from congress exposes herself in this clip and it's just beautiful how ignorant and stupid this woman is it's gonna play on audio here in a few minutes uh but i do have a video that i'm putting together for youtube and that will be out as well uh to accompany this podcast so if you guys want to follow me on youtube you can by looking up youtube.com forward slash Angel Espino. Now, that's my main YouTube page, but I do have the Inside the Jackal's Head YouTube account also. That's where I really post uh, most of the uh, stuff that I do for this show pre-recorded. The Angel Espino one, it's going to be for more when I do live feed stuff. And, uh, you know, that's the separation of those two channels. But check out that video when I post it up there. It's going to go right along with this. This, of course, will be a podcast on, uh, let's see, I Radio, Spotify, um, SoundCloud, and a few other uh, locations. So it's always easy to uh, get to the uh, show. But, of course, the easiest way... It's AngelEspino.com, very easy, A-N-G-E-L-E-S-P-I-N-O.com, there you go, AngelEspino.com, so I got that clip coming up for you in a few minutes, and shit's getting real, folks, the shit is getting real, and it's getting real nasty, and I've been uh, sitting on a lot. Uh, this uh, 2023 because I wanted to just let time go by and uh, not only heal up my voice uh, and get ready for the election year of 2024, but I, I also had a lot of stuff I was working on work-wise on the side of the podcast is, you know, uh, stuff that helps uh, get by. So if you uh, if you guys want to contribute to me being able to scrape by, please hit up my Patreon page over at patreon.com forward slash Angel Espino. Again, patreon.com forward slash Angel Espino. And uh, let's see, anything else I want to get to? Oh, yeah. I had an interesting uh, meeting uh, with Larry Roth, um, right here out of Homestead. Very nice, uh, gentleman. Got to, uh, speak a little bit with him. Got to know him a little bit. Really cool dude, like I said. If, uh, you guys are listening in from, uh, you know, down in my area. And, uh, you're in the Homestead area and you vote. Give him a shout. Larry Roth, uh, he's, again, a really nice, uh, guy running for councilman. Uh, so shout-outs to him, uh. Also, uh, someone I wanted to have on the show, but haven't been able to make it work, is this gentleman named Joseph. And the reason I bring this up is because this show was supposed to come back earlier in July. In fact, I was gearing up for a beginning of July episode, first Sunday of July, and I had to push it back to now. Uh, because of an uh, issue that happened in my dad's apartment where the roof in the bathroom caved in from a, a busted water pipe upstairs. And I had to uh, kind of stay here and send him away. And wasn't fun, folks. I spent, uh, let's see, the third, fourth, fifth uh, just praying that the water would stop, and it never would. So by the time I got into the uh, main office and they opened up because they had been closed since the 1st to the 5th. Once I finally made it in there, I stumbled across this uh, gentleman named Joseph. He was uh, talking to the rep for the the ownership of the building. And uh, he was very upset, to say the least. And uh, as soon as I walked in, I hear the words, Well, we're going to put you on the list and in a couple of days we'll have somebody out there mind you this gentleman had water leaking in the middle of his uh living room i walk in and that's the first thing i hear and i'm like wait a second i can't be put on no list for two days from now i need somebody out into my dad's apartment like yesterday uh the roof in the bathroom is caved in there's water coming out all over the place i mean i can't hold on any longer Uh, you know, what the hell is going on, and I had uh, to, you know, kind of, uh, well, I had to show my angry side, right, and uh, got things moving, they came out, instead of uh, me having to wait two days, they came out on the 5th, and they stopped the water leak, but, you know, of course, it takes time to rebuild the bathroom, and it took them a while to uh, put the whole thing together, so it's been a, a really weird July, you know, July has kind of been a strange month uh, for me in the last few years, we lost George of SoFlo Radio not too long ago in uh, in July, um, rest in peace, by the way. So it's been kind of r- of a rough month, just like March, you know, with my mom passing in March, Uh, 2016, rest in peace to my old girl, miss my mom. Uh, So those two months are kind of iffy, let's just say that. Health-wise, I'm not doing much better. Um, I got the judge uh, now coming up in a few months to see if I get the uh, disability claim, which is something I'm really hoping uh, that I, uh, I, I am able to get because this way it'll help me uh, with medical stuff, which I need uh, done, procedures and stuff. So uh, I really, uh, really need that help. So if you guys, again, uh, go to my patreon.com forward slash Angel Espino. Please help out as I am uh, still unable to work and pending the judge's decision on whether I am ill or not. Mind you, I know I'm sick, you know, besides being sick in the head, but uh, I mean, it, as far as the body being disabled, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on here that uh, you folks are not too aware of. So let's see how that goes. As far as that's concerned, that's that uh, for news about me or news about anything locally. Nothing else really has uh, been going on with me. I've just been uh, posting uh, stuff on YouTube. Got a couple of videos coming up now uh, uh, with me giving uh, food reviews. I'm going to also post a couple of videos doing some movie reviews and stuff. And uh, just uh, trying to uh, scrape by into the I See the Judge. And uh, with that said, I'm going to go now and switch into a little uh, political talk because. Like I said, I have this uh, clip, uh, which is a little long, that deals with Miss Lee in Congress. And, my God, these people on the left, let me tell you, these folks have lost their marbles and their minds and everything in between. They're lost, completely lost. But I do love how they project their own evil ways onto the rest of society, especially the conservative right, uh, and especially Trump. I mean, my God, if you look at all the uh, these charges against Trump, and they start seeing what Hunter Biden and Joe Barb being allowed to get away with, you're like, how is this America? What part of the twilight zone are we dealing with? We had the, you know, just... Uh, amazing whistleblower that's come forward to expose the Biden crime family. And I didn't think we were going to see this, but it's happening. And uh, yes, uh, they're exposing a lot here. But I want you to see something uh, on a clip here that I took out of the uh, initial uh, press uh, congress uh, hearing that's going on right now. It's not really a press congress, but out of the hearing that's going on now. Uh, You guys got to see this. Miss Lee, okay, I don't know why they had her speak. She has nothing to do with this. This is not a race case. This is Hunter and Joe Biden uh, and their crime syndicate and their crime family being exposed to the world For what it is okay we know that 2020 was a rigged election we know uh that you know they they've been lying to us about the laptop and all kinds of stuff you know this is stuff we know about but now you have to watch how the left keeps covering for the big guy for joe biden and Miss lee does an excellent uh job of doing just that And what I mean by that is, we're talking about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, right? They're both white. Donald Trump is also white. This has nothing to do with black people in any way, shape, or form. But Miss Lee, who is an African-American black lady, and a very, um, how can I say this, Racist black woman against white men. Every time she's on camera, it's about dropping the race card. I'm Latino and I hate uh when anybody drops the race card when it's not appropriate. And this might have just ended her career politically. It also accidentally exposes what we're t- saying about Joe Biden. And then To follow that, I believe the guy's name is Ralph Clinton or or Rafkin or something like that. He wears a bandana. He follows up by thanking her for a completely biased racist rant, which again has nothing to do with what's going on in the video, in the actual um, whistleblower testimony. But he cites something that happened decades ago where there is uh, a rape, and the suspects were black, they were arrested, and Trump was asked, now, mind you, he wasn't a politician, he wasn't President Trump, he was just a rich uh, entrepreneur in New York, and they, they proposed the question to him, what does he think should happen? And he said, uh, rapists uh, should get the death penalty. And if these guys raped her, they should get the death penalty. Since then, the individuals have been uh, proven to be innocent. Um, But it's funny that these leftists like to bring up the past statements of a young Donald Trump, but they seem to forget that Joe Biden was also once much younger made even more racially uh, divisive comments. And they defend that man like it's all good. A guy who even during the presidential uh, race in 2020 made racially divisive comments. Now, how does Miss Lee get away with this bullshit? Listen to this clip. Pay close attention to the entire thing. Okay, and how they even rebuttal Mrs. Lee. You can't make this shit up. Check this out.
4: I wanna know what you thought the FBI agent uh, was inferring. What did you think? What do you think when you read that, when you heard that, uh, of the relationship between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and his business transactions when he is still in office?
1: Yeah, so I can't go beyond what you've, what you've quoted me as saying in my testimony. Um, so I just leave it there.
4: Okay, thank you. Um, and Mr. Ziegler, on page one, page 104 of yours, uh, you mentioned that, there, that, that Mr. B- Mr. Biden, uh, Hunter Biden, attempted to um, obtain a business tax deduction on his return for hotel rooms that were used by his father, Joe Biden. Uh, tell us about that, please.
5: So, yeah, the, on his tax return, he deducted a hotel room for his dad, uh, so Joe Biden, um, and we actually got the invoice from the hotel that
4: showed the dad 's name on it so So for that to be a valid business deduction, you would ha- he would have to be doing business with Hunter Biden. Is that not true? So we would typically a typical part of the process would
5: be to interview that person to find out what you had or what, what might have happened. Why did you Why did you go to that hotel room? Um, and based on statements he made in his book, I mean, you can correlate to what was kind of going on around that
1: time.
4: But but, but to, how does it become a valid business deduction if uh, if Joe Biden's just there on vacation?
1: You know, generally speaking, the, the, to be a valid business deduction, it would have to be some type of business activity being conducted at that time.
4: And uh, the last one is the WhatsApp. Um, and I won't get into it because we're, we're just about out of time, but I would just say the WhatsApp where he says he's sitting, my dad's sitting next to me, and you remember that, and that, that's on, I want to say what page 105. That's where you talk about it, Mr. Ziegler, and what page 105 of your transcript. Uh, I guess the question there is, how would you be able to determine uh, whether those rooms uh whether he was actually next to, to Hunter Biden, how would you be able to determine that? And, and, and the Gentleman Times are tired, but you can please answer the question. So
5: typically, in that situation, you'd want to get location data, contemporaneous data that would show where that person's
4: at. So that's what we would typically look to. That's right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Very good. Uh, Chair now recognize Ms. Lee from Pennsylvania.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Republicans have been invoking this term two-tier system of justice a lot recently. So I want to talk about what the real two-tier justice system is, where black and brown people are overcriminalized and over-incarcerated. On June 20th, Chairman Comer claimed in a committee press release, quote, the Department of Justice's charges against President Biden's son, Hunter, reveal a two-tier system of justice from this, uh, as you see or have seen from the knockoff uh, social media site, former President Trump has also used this phrase in connection with the Hunter Biden investigation. I'd like to address the way my Republican colleagues are attempting to co-opt the phrase two-tiered justice system to make it sound like Trump and his cronies are somehow the victims here. When the reality is that the term two-tiered system of justice is meant to refer to the very real system that exists in the United States and which affects black and brown folks, not powerful former presidents and their political allies. The real two-tiered system of justice is one in which in 2021, according to the DOJ's Bureau of Justice Statistics, the imprisonment rate for black men aged 18 and 19 was 11.6 times the rate for white males. The real two-tiered justice system is one in which in 2021, according to those same statistics, the imprisonment rate for Native American males aged 18 and 19 was 5.1 times the rate for white males. The two-tier justice system is one in which, according to a May 2018 Vera evidence brief, and I quote, black men comprise about 13% of the male population, but about 35% of those incarcerated. One in three black men born today can expect to be incarcerated in his lifetime, compared to one in six Latino men and one in 17 white men. The two-tiered justice system is one in which an analysis of nearly 100 million traffic stops across this country found that black drivers were about 20% more likely to be stopped than white drivers. My Republican colleagues seem to think that using criminal law as a weapon or a political tool is objectionable only when directed against someone who should be out of reach of the criminal system, someone too rich, too powerful, or too white to be charged. But let's face it, that same system has been used as a weapon and a political tool against black people since the Emancipation Proclamation. These racial disparities are rooted in a two-tiered view on race. The belief that black people were inferior, that was created to justify the enslavement of black people, which has now evolved into, to include the belief that black people are more prone to criminality. During the decades of lynchings that followed enslavement, white people defended the torture and murder of black people as necessary to protect property, families, and a way of life from black criminals. In 1980s, Nixon's war on crime evolved into Reagan's war on drugs, and we saw harsher and more frequent punishments and the start of mass incarceration. In both cases, it was black people who were targeted and suffered under those policies. There's a reason that crack cocaine, which carries a stereotype of being used by black people, was at one point punished far more harshly than powder cocaine. Prior to 2010, that ratio was 100 to 1, meaning someone convicted in a federal court of possessing crack cocaine will receive the same sentence as someone who possessed 100 times more powder cocaine. And I want to say that PA's extreme sentencing practices have overwhelmingly impacted people of color, but most specifically black people who make up less than 11% of the population in Pennsylvania, but more than 65% of those serving life without parole sentences and 58% of those serving non-life sentences of 20 years or longer. How many times have our elected officials and judges ran on a promise of a tough on crime approach? Even now, Republicans still tell that they are the party of law and order, while in the same breath, claiming that Donald Trump should not uh, be prosecuted. Don't get it twisted. Republican efforts efforts to use the term two-tier justice is to distract from those who are truly the victims of a disparate treatment in our criminal justice system. And whether we say it out loud or not, we all know who those people are. I yield uh, the remainder of my time to uh, the ranking member.
5: Thank you, Ms. Lee, for that very eloquent statement. I just, I wonder if you remember, you might be too young for this, but when there was this horrific assault, uh, a gang rape in Central Park, Donald Trump um, ran uh, ads in the New York Times saying that the Central Park um, uh, suspect should be given the death penalty, and of course they turned out to be completely innocent. Uh, of the offense. So I think that's just to reinforce your point. There's a history of profound racism in the criminal justice system and in the rhetoric uh, around it. And there's something very disappointing about our colleagues co-opting, as you say, and prostituting the critique of the system as two-tiered on behalf of Donald Trump. I yield back to you. Chair recognize
4: Mr. Grofman from Wisconsin for five minutes.
0: We must take back the streets it doesn't matter whether or not the person that is accosting your son or daughter, or my son or daughter, my wife, your husband, my mother, your parents. It doesn't matter whether or not they were deprived as a youth. It doesn't matter or not whether or not they had no background that enabled them to have to uh, become uh, uh, social, uh, become socialize into the fabric of society it doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society the end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe shoot my sister beat up my wife take on my sons so I don't wanna ask what made them do this they must be taken off the street that's number one there's a consensus on that unless we do something about that cadre of young people, tens of thousands of them, born out of wedlock, without parents, without supervision, without any structure, without any conscience developing, because they literally, I yield myself three more minutes, because they literally have not been socialized. They literally have not had an opportunity. We should focus on them now. If we don't, they will, or a portion of them will, become the predators 15 years from now. And, Madam President, we have predators on our streets that society has, in fact, in part because of its neglect, created. Again, it does not mean because we created them that we somehow forgive them or do not take them out of society to protect my family and yours from them. They are beyond the pale, many of those people. Beyond the pale. And it's a sad commentary on society. We have no choice but to take them out of society. And the truth is, we don't very well know how to rehabilitate them at that point. That's the sad truth. I'm the guy that said, rehabilitation, when it occurs, we don't understand it and notice it. And when we, even when we notice it and we know it occurs, we don't know why. So you cannot make rehabilitation a condition for release. That's why in our system, there's the federal system, you serve 85% of your time. It's a shame, but we don't know how to rehabilitate. But there is a consensus, and I will cease. A, we must make the streets safer. I don't care why someone is a malfactor in society. I don't care why someone is antisocial. I don't care why they've become a sociopath. We have an obligation to... Cordon them off from the rest of society, try to help them, try to change the behavior. That's why we do in this bill. We have drug treatment and we have other treatments to try to deal with it. But they are in jail. Away from my mother, your husband, our families. But we would be being we would be absolutely stupid as a society if we didn't recognize the condition that nurtured those folks still exist and we must deal with that
3: now one thing that is really funny about this entire thing is she is literally blaming Donald Trump for what Joe Biden did, remember Joe Biden spent 50 something years in the Senate Vice President and he was involved or directly responsible for the 1980, I want to say, 8045 crime bill and the 1993 one that Bill Clinton signed in 94, that he is, in that clip, defending. And when you read that bill, African Americans are the most targeted individuals in that bill. That's right, folks. Uh, You can't make this shit up. It's like the left now, once again, uh, and I've said this in the past, uh, they want to blame Trump for everything. But what is hilarious about that part of the clip is how Ms. Lee misleads the audience or the listeners or the watchers and the entire Congress, by turning this into some kind of a racial issue, defending Joe, Joe Biden, the guy responsible for putting more African Americans in prison, what she is complaining about is what he did. But somehow... It's Donald Trump's fault. You can't make this shit up, folks. Either she is one of the most idiotic, dumbest member in Congress I've ever, ever seen speak. Or she is so in on the take that she knows what she is saying is Baloney and well, to quote Joe Biden, total malarkey. So either she knows, you know, or she's an idiot. I'm leaning towards half and half on this one. I think she, she knows what she's saying is wrong. She's doing it because she's, she's part of this deep swamp uh, that's trying to destroy Trump. And, well... She's an idiot. If you're going to, you know, do something like this, at least make it coherent, make it somewhat understandable, and by, oh God, don't make it something so easily to ridicule you over. I mean, she completely forgets that Joe Biden... Literally, is what she is bitching about, but yet she's defending this criminal. When she talks about crack, who do you think about? Hunter Biden. They just found cocaine in the White House. Guys, you can't make this shit up. You know, also... When you talk about slavery, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's families go back and own slaves. They go, uh, I mean, generations back and they own slaves. Guess who never owned uh, slaves? Trump's family. No slaves there. So, you know, for the left, having all this anger, aren't men bad? They seem to give a pass to the real racist, Joe Biden and his racist family, which now includes the racist Vice President Kamala Harris, and her idiotic uh comments recently i'm going to get to that later but i want you to finish listening to this clip because this is so incredibly ridiculous and uh now uh, the rest of this clip is going to provide more context to what i'm saying here so you you know if you have any issues misunderstanding you know, understanding where I'm coming from, this will clear it up a little bit better. So keep listening.
6: So, 25 years after the 1994 Crime Bill was enacted, we are still having conversations about the import and significance of the bill. That
2: 1994 Crime Bill, um, it it did contribute to mass incarceration in our country.
6: It's important that people remember the context of the political environment in the early 1990s. The
0: other big piece of legislation on Capitol Hill tonight is the crime bill.
6: Now, violent crime peaked in 1991, and the drafters of the bill didn't know that in 1993 and 1994 when they were drafting and signing it. Urban areas, urban cities across the country were ravaged by crack cocaine, and Americans were afraid of crime. The 1994 crime bill was signed by president bill clinton you know, this was a pretty significant bill at the time and president clinton and senator biden at the time uh, were right that the bill was significant
0: the most significant federal effort to deal with violent crime in America that has ever been undertaken. It
6: was important for a Democrat at the time to be seen as taking a significant role in trying to reduce crime and violence in the united states and at the time the congressional black caucus was part of the debate around the crime bill and the congressional black caucus didn't want every provision that was included in this bill it became clear that the provisions in the 94 crime bill um, were going to be a political compromise and so the history is much more complicated than is sometimes portrayed by the media now what did the bill do just like a lot of political compromises there was the good and there was the bad for example The bill eliminated 19 types of semi-automatic assault weapons. It also provided huge amounts of funding to hire cops. 100,000 cops were funded. It was about $14 million at the time for community policing. The bill also enacted the Violence Against Women Act that provided funding to protect women and victims of domestic violence and crimes against women. But the most pernicious provision of the 1994 crime bill was its $12 billion that was authorized for states across the country that would enact what's called truth and sentencing laws. That funding literally paid states to increase the number of prison beds that they allocated for Individuals convicted of violent crime in this country to serve 85% of their sentences behind bars The reason that provision is so important and the reason we're still talking about it today is the federal government Essentially subsidized states across the country to build more prisons So 25 years later, you know, the crime bill is being debated.
5: You stood up and used that tough, on crime, phony rhetoric. That That bill was a huge mistake.
2: There's no question that that crime bill uh, contributed to America's mass incarceration problem.
0: 1994 crime bill, we had a gigantic epidemic in America of violence, particularly in African-American communities. The notion was was overwhelmingly supported. It was supported by The Black Caucus. and United States.
6: And at the time, the Congressional Black Caucus was part of the debate around the crime bill. And the Congressional Black Caucus didn't want every provision that was included in this bill to incarcerate more people, given the devastating consequences we know that incarceration causes. But at the time, policymakers felt the need to respond to what they felt was uncontrolled violence, and this bill was, was the way that policymakers, that Congress, could say were do something about it.
0: Violent crime and the fear it provokes are crippling our society. The crime bill before Congress gives you a chance to do something about it, a chance to be tough and smart.
6: We need to examine the crime bill and all of the federal bills that galvanized prison spending, that galvanized more arrests, more incarceration, and we need to look to the future. And today, the United States leads the world in terms of incarceration. In fact, if each state were its own country, 23 states would have the highest incarceration rate in the world. Any candidate running for election who's serious about criminal justice reform, who's serious about cutting the prison population by 50%, needs to take a hard look at what has worked and hasn't worked in terms of our past criminal justice policies, and understand that federal funding to increase the number of beds in prisons across the country is simply not a way
3: Uh, Miss Lee uh, is Lunatunes. I mean, I don't understand this. How do you turn this whistleblower into something that has nothing to do with this into a race issue? Not only that, she speaks about black men smoking crack. Well, Hunter Biden loves crack. And he was just in the White House, and they found cocaine in the White House during the time he was there. Now, I'm not saying it was his cocaine; I'm just saying it's awfully convenient that when there's crack cocaine, Hunter Biden it's not that far behind, so Miss Lee, you just exposed the Biden family for being cokeheads for leading black men into prisons and out of black homes you just exposed yourself as a racist and somebody who doesn't know her history and the guy with the bandana rafkin or whatever your name is you sure are a complete left-hard moron and uh, yeah you exposed your idiotic mind also in a very short clip this is amazing this whistleblower coming a whistleblower uh coming forward and testifying to the truth about the biden crime family with that said folks thanks for checking out the video like always hit the notification button subscribe to my channel and if you have any comments or questions leave them below and please make sure you vote people like miss lee out of here. We don't need any more racial division and people like her running race cards into things that has nothing to do with race. This is white Joe Biden and white Hunter Biden in the tier of justice that she knows is being used in this country against against ex-president Donald Trump who they're trying to destroy. Because he wants to make America great again and keep America first. I also have a clip of the so-called Vice President Kamala Harris speaking in front of a large uh, African-American crowd at a university. And she is gaslighting so much racial uh, tension Uh, That is ridiculous. Look, folks. Let's get one thing clear about Kamala Harris. She is neither African-American. She is using the race card because they have nothing left on the left to talk about. Nothing. They have no agenda for the future. They keep attacking Trump. They have all these fake charges. Every chance they get to speak anywhere, it's race card, race card, race card. Instead of trying to break you know bring the country together, these progressives on the left are trying to tear it further apart. Now, is this an agenda that? You know, now, is this some sort of a George Soros agenda? I mean, who is uh, feeding these people to act this way? Because I am pretty sure that for all of you who claim you hate Donald Trump, you have absolutely no reason to. But if you have any moral standard anything that you know says morality at this point. How can you sit there and say, okay, well, you know, they yeah, Miss Lee, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, let's incarcerate Donald Trump who did nothing wrong. And um uh, you know uh, let's give Joe and Hunter Biden here a pass because uh, you know um, I have no idea. Uh, can you tell us again, Miss Lee? Because I, I uh, even thinking about it makes no sense, folks. We're in the twilight zone. Nothing here makes any sense. You literally have. A racist president, a racist vice president, both whose families owned slaves, and the person responsible for putting more African Americans behind bars is Joe Biden. And Ms. Lee's defended him, but. Kim Harris, gaslighting, also, is bonkers. And, what gets to me is how the mainstream media doesn't want to cover any of this. In fact, if you want to check any of this out, you usually have to watch Fox News, or, you know, uh, go on YouTube, and, uh, you know, sometimes some of the stuff gets on like the Glenn Beck show or Tucker Carlson, which now you know I think he's doing the stuff exclusively on Twitter and online. Uh, I've checked out one of his—I think it was like a three-hour uh, video podcast, a video cast—and uh, Tucker's great. Uh, I tell you, I love Tucker Carlson's uh, show. Uh, Fox News, uh, Fox, the biggest mistake they made was letting that guy go. Uh, honestly, uh, he's a a real patriot, and remember, he didn't come at this as a right-wing conservative. No, he slowly... Came to the realization that the left has lost their mind; they lost their way, and what they're doing to Donald Trump is ridiculous. And it's you know I I love how the country has kind of like embraced uh, you know Donald Trump, and uh, you know like the you know most of the country are starting to figure it out. I do believe that. But there is a faction of people that still are either sold to the lies coming from the left or they're just so, you know, party first. And it doesn't matter if, you know, your side is lying. And they might indict and uh, a former sitting president on made-up lies. Think about that. They're trying to indict Trump. On something that is completely made up. And they're giving a pass to Joe and Hunter Biden. But once again, this is the country, the Twilight Zone, we're living in. But check out this clip again with uh, the so-called vice president, Kamala Harris. And uh, again, talking to a large crowd of African Americans... And uh, check out the language, check out the tone, the anger in her voice. For a woman who's not even African American, she's also, by the way, married to a white guy, um, has two white kids. Her mom is from India, her dad is from Jamaica, but his family is of Indian descent, Uh, Now, I'm not a uh, geologist uh, or gynecologist or whatever the term is, but I don't think there's a Jamaica or India in Africa. You guys can look that up and uh, discuss that with me. Uh, Try to correct me if I'm wrong on that. I don't think it's in North or South Africa. I mean, Africa's not a country. It's a continent. Many countries. That sells slaves. Go figure. But uh, check out the anger and the tone in this woman's voice. It's absolutely absurd. It's ridiculous. I want everybody to really listen to this. Uh, This is why I do this. So we can expose these people. And the more I watch and I listen to what's going on, the angrier i get at the fact that i once voted for any democrats but what's going on now with these progressive uh, liberals is just beyond the pale
2: in the state of florida they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it.
4: The vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, is the tip of the spear for this hoax. Everybody involved in this says this is completely
5: a fabricated issue. And yet, look how quickly Kamala Harris jumped on it. So the fact that this is her best moment, a fabricated matter, is pretty ridiculous.
7: Collie Fontanilla is a former California high school teacher who moved to Florida. And Rebecca Nathanson is a mom from Jacksonville, Florida, and chapter chair of Moms for Liberty Duval, Florida. They both join me now. Here we go. Uh, Collie, this controversy has to do with Florida's social studies curriculum, which is extensive, but it does include one line that says students should examine the various duties and trades performed by slaves. For example, agriculture work, painting, carpentry, tailoring, domestic services, black smithing and transportation, instruction includes how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. So the vice president is taking issue with the phrase personal benefit. Should she? Uh,
8: this is a sick political strategy that vice president Harris is trying to do because she knows that her uh, voters are not going to take the time to actually read the curricula, the Florida standards, which are some of the most extensive standards I've ever seen on teaching black history. I read them last night, and they're actually really beautiful standards. And she take, she's taking this one line and misrepresenting it in order to gaslight her voters. It's very obvious to those that are actually taking the time to read it, but to those that aren't gonna take the time to research, they're gonna eat this up like candy because it's very hard to defend. You hear the word benefit and they're like, oh, oh no. Uh, you know, Florida standards are saying that that slavery was a benefit and that is absolutely false. That's not, ex- that's not what the standards are implying. They're just simply saying, saying historical facts, which is, again, what the left is trying to do. They're trying to do a revisionist history, not the right.
7: Yeah, Rebecca, the curriculum is 215 pages long. I went through it this morning. And uh, one of the first lines asks students to learn about the positive influences and contributions by African-Americans. Students will also uh, learn about the causes, courses, and consequences of the slave trade in the colonies. Are you satisfied with this curriculum, or do you see where the vice president is coming from?
8: I'm more than satisfied. I think Vice President Harris is showing Americans once again that she's uninformed and she's peddling in cynical lies in order to stoke anger. I think across the state and the nation, we need to recognize why we're having this conversation now. And that's because with the recent passage of legislation called HB7, which Moms for Liberty lobbied in support of. The state of Florida actually expanded the breadth and the depth with which we teach African American history and the horrors of slavery. Our new standards have embedded curriculum strands from kindergarten through 12th grade. And we've actually required this instruction on this topic for decades, so for anyone to say that our state does not want to properly teach slavery, does not want to teach African-American history correctly or truthfully Mm. is
7: an absolute lie. Kali, tell us about your experience as a high school teacher in California and how you saw the conversation of race unfold in the classroom.
8: Again, they are accusing, um, you know, right-leaning states, red states of doing exactly what they are doing. And when I taught in California, I would notice that there was often um, historical facts left out of curricula, like um, the fact that Cherokee owned black slaves up to 1,200, or that white Quakers were thrown in prison for up to 12 years for helping slaves to escape their masters. And they want to leave these facts out because they want to create narratives and continue to create hysteria over, um, you know, something that happened 200 years ago that was, of course, a stain in our nation's history, but also has so much that we can learn from it. And they don't want that. They want to leave out facts. And and so she is just simply accusing uh, the other side of what their side is doing, which is leaving out facts. And that's exactly what this line from the curricula that she is upset about. Mm -hmm. It's a historical fact. I mean, yes, slavery was abhorrent, but they did learn some skills, and that's they were able to apply them for their personal benefit. If you know history, you will be able to defend that easily. But she doesn't know history. She doesn't want to call to mind um, historical facts that that maybe take away from her beloved narratives. And this is exactly what she wants the nation's children to learn is to you know ignore key historical facts right. to continue to have an oppressor and yeah. oppressed narrative in this country.
7: And this uh, curriculum was created by a large group of scholars and many of them were black scholars. So this is a topic that's certainly getting a lot yes. of attention.
3: So now let's switch it up for a minute. Uh, as you uh, guys know, uh, this week also, uh, you know, we've had uh, a lot of stuff breaking in the news, and uh, we are having the IRS whistleblowers uh, continue to testify before the Oversight Committee about the Biden crime family. What I love about what's going on here, and you guys, uh, I have a clip on this which is going to uh, make you laugh. The entire thing is about Hunter Biden, and Joe Biden, right? In about uh, the irs uh people coming forward as whistleblowers remember the left used to love whistleblowers remember that remember when they when donald trump was president and they brought in the ukraine phone call whistleblower and and all his military glory remember that how they celebrated uh, Alexander Vinmont who, by the way, should be in prison as he violated a code of ethics and the law by not just, uh, you know, being an informant or a leaker or a whistleblower, but he leaked a call between the president and another foreign head of state to his father, Brother, friends, colleagues, Adam Schiff, right? Who else? Uh, Eric Suramonella, whatever that dude's name was, was the so-called guy who officially first, unofficially first, came forward. Because, you know, Adam Schiff lied uh, repeatedly and was caught in many lies repeatedly during that whole time. But now the whistleblowers coming in and talk about the Hunter Biden IRS uh, stuff, which this is uh, breaking now, and uh, this is devastating to Joe and Hunter. And what do we get again? In the middle of this entire thing, we have uh, you know somebody who has no idea what she's talking about, no clue. But as usual, uh, you know, these people don't care. I think her name is Miss Crockett. Oh no, uh, Miss <sighs> Crockett. Yeah, Miss Crockett. Uh remember we had Miss Lee earlier? Uh now this is Miss Crockett. And you guys kinda hear again the anger in uh, the voice of these people, how they er- address in the in the project and they deflect and they defend racist Joe and Hunter Biden. They defend the same people that put black men in prison. They defend people that own slaves. And the the funniest part about this entire thing is this is in the middle Again, of a whistleblower, they came forward from the IRS, and this man is openly gay. Even uh, so I was saying, I think part one of the uh, test uh, testimonial here uh, in uh, in the committee, he I think he, he mentions that he has a husband. So, and he's Democrat, by the way. So why is the left? Attacking a gay Democrat IRS worker who's coming forward and telling the truth instead of embracing it, as they embrace the alphabet community and they, you know, they're so pro gay, right? Or are they really? Because uh, to all my gay friends out there and my friends of the uh, trans and LGTBQ, LMNOP community, you know, the, the alphabet people, to all the folks that I know within that community, take a close listen. Why uh, are your Democrat-appointed leaders attacking a member of your own community? Why are they attacking this man? Because he's coming forward with the truth, and they don't want the truth out there. Mitch Crockett, like Miss Lee, are put in these positions because if anybody comes forward and tries to debunk them, they can say, oh, you're a racist and a misogynist. And that's something nobody wants to get labeled with in this country. So, uh, these women are being put in these positions to do just this. Stir and gaslight racist division within our country. But the hypocrisy and hilarity of what's going on here cannot be overlooked. This, again, is... A committee about a white Hunter Biden connections with a white Joe Biden has nothing to do with race. Not a single thing about this case has to do with race. But yet.
9: In the game is there's so much that's been put out there. You're just kind of all over the place. So just rock with me for a little bit. Um, first of all, I want to get the elephant out of the room Um, Just to be clear, both of you provided deposition testimony, and in your depositions, neither one of you ever stated that President Joe Biden interfered with your investigations, correct? Uh,
5: The transcript doesn't include that, no. Yeah, the transcript does not include that.
9: Nor does it include that Merrick Garland interfered with your investigations, correct? The,
1: The transcript does not say that, no.
9: Thank you. The reason that I say that is because it's the insinuation that this committee is trying to make, or at least one side of this committee is trying to make, is that for some reason there was interference, and my colleagues continue to make sure that they outline the fact that this investigation actually started under the Trump administration. So that's the reason about who appointed, who comes up. But at the end of the day, we have no evidence whatsoever that the president nor the attorney general of the United States interfered. But... I also want to make sure that we outline some legal principles since we've got so many newfound prosecutors today on this committee. Number one, just to be clear, just because you investigate something, it doesn't necessarily mean that there will be a conviction, correct?
1: That's correct. That is correct.
9: Okay. In fact, in our criminal justice system, you are cloaked in a presumption of innocence. That is what happens under the Constitution, okay? So we all have a role to play. Your role is investigative, correct? Correct. Correct. All right. So then you have an AUSA um, who usually is the one that is responsible for taking the evidence. Actually, they probably have an investigator in their office. There's usually an investigator that is directly within their office that will review any documentation that you provide, and then they will sit down and talk to the AUSA's office about recommendations, like what the charges will look like and things like that. Is that not correct? Uh,
1: if, if that's correct, I've never seen that.
9: Okay. Well, let me be clear. There is a level after you get done with your investigation in which the U.S. Attorney's Office then will look at the evidence that you've provided, and they will make decisions, correct?
5: Yes, and they, they all, all four assigned attorneys, agreed I, with recommending felony, not, and, tax, felony gonna, and misdemeanor tax charges.
9: I heard your testimony before. I'm not going to dispute that. The difference is I've done the defense side of this before. Mm -hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, it sounds like a sweetheart deal because I've never played anyone to every single count of – Uh, a a federal indictment in the first place unless they only had one count. I have always negotiated and unlike on the state level I typically do my negotiations a lot of times before there's even an indictment because a lot of times my clients are actually turning evidence over and all kinds of things. But the thing is those conversations have never taken place with an investigator. They always take place with the U.S. attorney. So the point is you don't have the ultimate charging authority. The people that did they decided to do what they decided to do for whatever reasons. Correct.
1: So, in my experience, I've I've always been a part of uh, of of that at that table talking to the AUSA um, and, and talking about the charging decisions. So that's not accurate to say that I'm not. So, uh, for this, investigators not involved in that. So process.
9: this time it was a little different for you, and that's why you felt as if something was wrong. But I want to get to something else really quickly. I want to talk about what we should be prosecuting. We should be looking at the fact that in 2017, Trump's first year in office, he also made $6.5 million from China, his tax returns show. The source of the China payments is not clear from the returns. The payments were a surprise since Trump is an outspoken critic of the $5.8 million that Hunter Biden made. The difference is Trump was our president when he made this money from China, whereas I'm sure you would agree with me, Hunter Biden has always been a private citizen. We've got a lot of other stuff. In fact, it's clear that Trump never paid more than $750 in taxes um, for, I want to say, a total of like two years of his taxes, which is absolutely insane. But we also know that it showed that Trump claimed large cash donations to charities, but the report said the IRS did not verify them. The report also said that while Trump's tax filings were large and complicated, the IRS does not appear to have signed experts to work on them. That is shameful. In addition to that, we heard testimony earlier that talked about... whether or not you executed a search warrant under Section 913.420 of the DOJ's Justice Manual. It specifically states that when searching the premises of an attorney that is the subject of an investigation, prosecutors are expected to take the least intrusive approach consistent with vigorous and effective law enforcement. It's kind of what they did for Trump when they gave him a number of opportunities to turn over the documents, our, our national secrets, that he kept in the toilet. But he chose not to, and that's why he is facing federal charges down in Florida. And finally, I just want to make sure that we clear up something about the Central Park Five, because I don't think my colleague from the under, other side of the aisle understands that not only were they found to be not guilty, they were paid $41 million in a 2014 settlement because their civil rights in that lawsuit were violated. In addition to that, uh, we do know that one of the Central Park Five now serves on city council, Yusuf Salam. So, I ask unanimous consent that I allow this. Will, this, will, this without objection to order, and the
4: lady's times expired. But would the lady yield to a quick question?
9: Would
4: you, would you yield a, a question? Yes. You, you you made the argument that Trump received six million from China or something, and and uh, to, Hunter Biden received the money from China. Do, do you know exactly what Hunter Biden did to receive the money from China? Because that's that's something we've. Had a hard time trying to figure out.
8: Uh,
4: I think I know what Trump's businesses were. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I just know what his businesses are. I don't know what the Biden's businesses are, and And you don't know what it's not.
9: I'm sorry.
0: And you don't know what it's not either.
9: But but what I'll say. So you have
0: no idea why or why not he received that money.
9: What what I will say is true. You have
0: no evidence about it.
9: Can I submit this MSNBC or this NBC article for the record as well? Uh, Without Um, objection, so ordered. And I will say that in this article, it specifically says that the source of a number of Trump's monies, it was unclear. It just said that he did have businesses there. He did say that he had opened um, some bank accounts in China, Mm -hmm. but they could not find the source of the monies that were paid to him from China
4: chair recognizes uh, Mr. Turner from Kansas for five minutes.
10: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you both for being here today. There's a lot of information. Let's try to quickly lay this out for the American people, okay? So quick answers. How long have each of you worked for uh, the IRS? Mr. Shapley, you first. Fourteen years. Thirteen years. Is it fair to say that you both have had successful careers uh, at the IRS? You've both been recognized for your achievement there? I believe so, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Are either of you overly partisan people?
1: I am not no.
5: Yeah, I, I've made an effort to not or to not be overly like I, I've, I've made an effort to be partisan. I apologize.
10: Do either of you have a burning desire, or have you ever to be a spectacle at a congressional hearing? Are you wanting to be on TV? Are you looking for your 15 minutes of fame here?
1: I would prefer not to be here. <laughs>
5: Yeah, I had i I'd never imagined that this would happen, but here I am.
10: Then quickly, for the American people, why did you step forward?
1: Because you know, we need the equal application of justice. And we hear all these stories about uh, you know—the these crimes that are committed, that are, that are horrible. Um, but without the equal application of justice, I don't understand how we, we, we move forward. And, and I don't understand how I meet my oath of office if I don't do what I can to ensure that occurs. You know, there are 300 million taxpayers out there that they think that this hearing is a big deal because they're paying their taxes and they see someone who isn't. And Mr. Ziegler? So it's a matter of accountability. So it's twofold. A matter of
5: accountability. We need to hold those accountable who basically for the last five years hasn't been pro- following proper procedure. And the second part of this is that... Um, I, I think we need to have some reform or something that's built in there that this doesn't happen to people, again, investigators.
10: Let's get the facts out. The Biden family and their associates received millions in global payments from companies linked to Ukraine, Romania, and China funneled through various shell companies. Mr. Ziegler, is that
1: correct?
5: That is correct. It's $17.3 million.
1: Quickly, Mr. Shapley, what is a special agent report? It's the report that recommends prosecution for various charges, uh, each of which have been proven each element. Approximately how many of these over your career have you been a part of or have you prepared?
10: Guess. Hundreds. Hundreds. Did you complete a special agent report for the Hunter Biden case? Special Agent Ziegler authored that report.
5: I I completed that report.
10: And when the special report was sent up the chain of command, just like... You all have been involved with, in your case, Mr. Shapley, hundreds of times. Did you notice anything outside of the normal
1: process that you have uh, grown used to over the years? So the, uh, the, the changing at, at criminal tax attorneys was definitely uh, uh, inappropriate and out of the norm. Uh, But, no, after that, uh, the uh, senior leadership quickly uh, 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 trumped CT counsel, and they concurred with the charges, so we we sent it forward to the Department of Justice Tax Division for for further approval. And Mr. Ziegler?
5: Everything that he just said was correct.
10: Now, Mr. Shapley, you recommended felony charges in the special agent report, and we all know the answer, but was Hunter Biden ultimately charged with those felonies? No, he was not. Mr. Ziegler, what role did Leslie Wolf play in the investigation? So
5: she was an assistant United States attorney
10: out of the District of Delaware assigned to the investigation. You met with her and her team during the Hunter Biden case, correct? That is correct. In your testimony to Ways and Means, you describe assistant U.S. attorney Leslie Wolf, who was once again overseeing uh, the case out of Delaware, as saying during a meeting that she did not want to ask about the big guy and stated she didn't want to ask questions about dad. Is that statement accurate and i want to remind you that you're under oath is that accurate your your testimony to ways and means
5: can you ask that question one more time so
10: i i can she said leslie wolf said during a meeting that she did not want to ask about the big guy and stated she didn't want to ask questions about dad so there's twofold to that there's
5: that line in the email that said 10 held by h for the big guy that was something that came up as a part of us reviewing what we were going to say during that day And she immediately says, no, we're not going to ask that. And then we essentially had to um, argue our stance on why we should ask it. And then it was ultimately that we didn't know. It was
10: unknown. I appreciate that. Mr. Shapley, you stated in public interviews that you and your team were stopped from taking certain investigative steps that you believe could have potentially connected this Hunter Biden case to President Biden. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, I just want to summarize as quickly as I can here. We have two credible nonpartisan IRS investigators confirming that there are millions of dollars in foreign payments to shell companies to the Biden administration. We have Hunter Biden, who most of us wouldn't hire to dog sit, (laughs) receiving these millions of dollars for services that they cannot come forward and tell us about. And that potentially this is linked to President Biden. But we don't know that for a fact because you were shut down. You were not allowed to pursue investigative angle that you wanted to. This is something that we have to get to the bottom of. It's shameful what's happening and and I want folks to mark my words that we will not be stifled. This committee will not be stifled by the Department of Justice or anyone in the Biden administration. We are going to pursue this and get to the bottom of this no matter what. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I yield back. The
3: Biden family owned slaves And at the end of the day, guess whose family never owned slaves? Once again, Donald John Trump. That's right, the Trump family never owned slaves, which, again, I don't understand how anybody can vote for uh, Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris over, uh, Donald Trump, but hey, you guys do what you gotta do, and, uh, you know, you're just making it worse for everybody else, what I really find interesting is how they have put together all the dots, uh, in the, this, uh, scheme recently, dealing with Ukraine, and Hunter, and Joe Biden, and, um, it's looking more and more like this is a big money laundering scheme or scam or whatever you want to call it. I wonder if they could uh, put all these people together and maybe go at it uh, and, and charge them with the RICO Act or something like that. I mean, there's a lot of uh, people involved here if uh, everything here holds up. Jesse Waters really dissected this, and you guys really should check out his show. This is Todd's getting into. There's going to be a lot of that breaking in the very near future, guys. It's incredible what's happening with the political climate currently in America. And, uh, man. 2024 cannot get here fast enough. So now, let's uh, check into the world of entertainment. And as always here on Inside a Jackal's Head, I love to talk about the box office. I love to uh, read the results of the top 10. Sometimes I even go top 20 on that ass. But the reason why it's so important, uh, this last uh, few weeks is because of a uh, movie which is going to have me possibly changing the title of a book that me and uh, Dennis Crenshaw were working on. Rest in peace to my friend Dennis who passed away recently, not too long ago. Um, But the reason why the top ten in box office movie results is important is due to the movie Sound of Freedom. And we're going to get to that in a second here. Uh, by the way, yes, I have a book, uh, which I'm um, actually writing a couple of books. Just to give a little spoiler before I get to the box office. Book one, it's about my experience with life in general and how I am, uh, you know, who I am today because of what drove me to become this way. And book two, which is the one that initially me and Dennis started, was called 90 Miles to Freedom. And we are probably going to have to uh, make uh, an adjustment to that because of this movie, Sound of Freedom. And that's cool because this is a great film, and I'm so happy it's having a huge success at the box office. It's an action biography, drama, history, thriller. It's an incredible true story of a former uh, government agent-turned-vigilante who embarks on a dangerous mission to rescue hundreds of children from sex traffickers. And uh, this movie to date has made about over $100 million, folks. This is from Angel Studios. No connection to me, different company, I has, have nothing to do with them, even though I think we all should invest stock in this company. I'm just saying, amazing movie, amazing work. Director Alejandro Monteverde did a fantastic job along with his writers, Rod Barr and Alejandro uh, Monteverde himself, who uh, wrote the picture. And kudos to everybody involved. But the man who really, uh, you know, just is the glue to the project is Jim Caviezel, who does not ever fail to impress in a movie. Remember, he was in The Count of Monte Cristo. He was uh, in Passion of the Christ. I mean, this is an incredible talent, an amazing actor. And once again, he pulls off An amazing movie up. You know, this movie was a passion of his to get made. So, uh, Sound of Freedom. You might want to go check that out if you haven't done so already. It's already over $100 million at the box office. Can you believe that? Now... Why is this important? We're talking about a movie that's over, what, $124 million, right? No foreign market at all. That's all domestic. Now, what was the budget on this movie? You'd be shocked to find out the budget on this thing. And why I say that is because this should teach a lesson to all these companies that are spending three, four hundred million dollars on movies and are considered flops. Wouldn't they break even? It's not good enough? Because re- remember, you have to double your uh, initial, uh, initial investment. So say a movie costs like uh, Side of Freedom which cost $14.5 that's his budget, okay? So in order for that to make a profit, it's got to hit about $30 million. Domestically, is better than it does it here because the split is a lot even or a lot more even here than it is for the foreign market, which the foreign market, eh, it's not 50-50 in either market, but the foreign market tends to cut the American market a little bit, a little bit more. So let's just say if a movie makes a hundred million dollars, there instead of a, there being a fifty-fifty split with the movie company and with the theaters overseas, sometimes it's more like, eh, you know, the uh, the American company from the overseas profit they get about maybe thirty percent instead of forty or fifty. So it's a little bit lesser than the return, but the foreign market does help the overall aspect of a lot of these movies, breaking even and making a profit. But this movie opened only in America through Angel Studios. It opened with a budget of fourteen point five million and folks it's made about a hundred and twenty four million dollars. It's well exceeded the break-even point a long time ago. And again, this is a movie nobody thought was going to do this. There was no real hardcore promotion uh, for this film. And so far, it's just uh, the little engine that could. And again, based on the true story, on how they saved children from sex traffickers once again showing that when you tell a a story based on something that is real and it connects to the american people to society in general then you cannot stop the progression and the interest in watching these things because the left All they want to make is The Little Mermaid. And they want, you know, to rewrite history. And they don't want to see any of the stuff that they're involved in being put on the big screen or being talked about. They want to keep us in the Matrix, folks. And this movie is literally taking a dig of what's going on. You guys again i highly recommend it go spend the money it's well worth it this is the film in 2023 that if you're going to spend 40 50 bucks in theaters buying tickets getting your uh you know your parking popcorn sodas whatever if you're gonna spend that money, Sound of Freedom is the movie to do just that. Uh, it's the best movie, a uh, uh, movie of the year uh, by far, and uh, and I have a top ten on IMDb. I'm a huge movie buff, and anybody who knows me knows I love my films. But this is without without a, sh- a shadow of a doubt the best movie of 2023. And I absolutely love it. Opened with just $19 million, folks. And again, no foreign market. And just domestically over 124 And counting this past weekend, uh, let's see. Let's go to the box office, Mojo.com, where we have our Mojo working for July 23rd. Which is today. <laughs> and uh, the number one movie for the weekend was Barbie. Which is understandable. That's a big budget movie. And all the girls love their Barbie. You know, they grew up playing with Barbie. So that brought in about $43 million for the weekend. Number two is a movie I really want to see also. Called Oppenheimer. As you guys know uh he is the uh, person who well gave us the uh, the uh, a bomb there and the story of uh, american uh, scientist j a. robert oppenheimer is and uh, in his uh ever glory gave us and developed the atomic bomb the movie's doing very well and it comes from of course from Christopher Nolan, writer uh, Christopher Nolan, Kai Bird, and Martin Sherwin. The uh, cast on this thing is incredible. Uh, Cillian Murphy plays uh, Oppenheimer. Emily Blunt uh, plays Kitty Oppenheimer. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. plays uh, Louis Strauss. Uh, just a, a great uh, movie. And, a, uh, you know, another one I, I really recommend you guys check out. Um, I'm a big Nolan fan, so hopefully it, it does, uh, you know, a lot of box office goodness. Uh, but it came in uh, number two this weekend with $23 million, uh at the box office. So far, it's pulled in about $82 million domestically, internationally $97 million for a worldwide total of $180 million, and it's a good movie. Like I said, it's a very good movie. I would not say it's better than *Sound of Freedom*. That movie is just uh, an incredible masterpiece. Uh, but this movie is very good. Nolan does not at all fail us with uh, you know his work. He's always coming up with these amazing films. The budget on this film, by the way, was a hundred million, so it had to hit two hundred to break even. It's sitting on 180 million worldwide. So it's going to get to the 200 million worldwide. But internationally, it's got 97 million, 82 million domestically. Now, it opened on July 21st. So it's developing. Give it a time. It's going to make a lot of money. This will probably make close to about. 200 million, uh, something domestically, another probably uh, 200 and something million uh, internationally or in a foreign market. So, uh, it's going to do just fine. It'll, uh, you know, Nolan does not flop when it comes to these uh, sort of uh, movies like Tenet. Of course, his Dark Knight trilogy, which was huge and the best and on screen. Even though I do like Robert Pattinson, I can't lie. I, I like his Batman, and the Batman was a great movie. But there you go. The uh, film Oppenheimer opened a number or, or is the number two movie of uh, so far the weekend uh, opened up at number two. Sound of Freedom uh, went from uh, let's see, from three to four. Yeah, went from four last week to 3 this week, with about 6,684,000, Sound of Freedom killing it at over 124,000, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 went from 3 to 4, and uh, it brought in 5.9 million, it's about, uh, total domestically about, uh, I think, about 118 million, right? yeah, 118 million. And, uh, 252 internationally, uh, 370 worldwide. Now, this is, uh, one of the, the things I was talking about with Sound of Freedom. Look, Mission Impossible is a good movie. I, I recently caught it, uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Another great uh, movie by Tom Cruise. I love Tom Cruise as an actor. But when you spend that kind of budget on any film, and, you know, you have to understand that this movie has has to make a ton of cash, guys. So even though you're saying, wow, it's already almost at $400 million, right? It's at uh, 370 almost 400. The movie costs 291 million to make. So 300 million right Give or take. It's got to make at least 600 million for them to break even. Think about that 600 million dollars. For to break even, for them to then say, well, now that we broke even, now we're making some money. It's sitting where it could do it, it might do it, not sure. Worldwide right now, we're at 370 so it's got a couple hundred million to go. It just released on July 12th, so it still has a lot of box office life left. So there you go, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Is your number four movie of the weekend? But again, I I recommend that I just again saw that I saw Oppenheimer, I saw Sound of Freedom, and all three are really fantastic movies. The one that really stands out to me was Sound of Freedom, and uh, I love that movie. I did not see Barbie. Okay, once again, I look. I did not see Barbie, and I will not see Barbie. Uh, hold on. No, forget the Nazi part, because they're, they're all, you know, Ken and Barbie are blonde white. white. Huh? But no, I will never probably see Barbie. Probably never. And, you know, Will Ferrell is in it, so, you know, maybe, I don't know. But uh, it won't be intentional. intentional. Uh, you know, something that really cut the headlines is the fact that Sound of Freedom is performing better than Mission Impossible, and... Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which comes in at number five. It was number five last week, so it's having kind of uh, an interesting thing. We're totally holding up uh, pretty interesting. But um, it's about 158 million domestically. I mean, it's looking tough for Indiana Jones. And this is supposed to be the big farewell for Indy. And uh, it's not doing too good at the uh, box office. Now, the overall uh, take on this thing, and I'm talking about, of course, domestically and foreign international market, it's done 158 million in domestic, 176 million internationally, and worldwide 335. So it's uh, again, it opened at 60 million on June. 30th, so it's already been out there for a little bit, but theaters are starting to really just cut loose with it, so it's not going to make much more than that, and, you know, it's being looked at as a complete disaster, I saw the movie, it's not good, guys, uh, this is one that I can really say, I am really sad, because the trailer kind of looked okay, uh, but it's another one that at two hundred and ninety four million budget, not including marketing costs, which it was probably another hundred million. So you're talking about a movie that cost with marketing about four hundred million dollars, it had to bring in about eight hundred million just to break even. It probably probably will die somewhere close to the four hundred million worldwide. So they're going to lose a lot of money on this. And the the question by everybody uh, who's a fan of Indiana Jones, who's a fan of Star Wars, who's a fan of Lucasfilms, is how long are they going to keep Kathleen Kennedy employed to destroy these uh, franchises? She's literally uh, becoming... The nasty Nancy Pelosi of Lucasfilms. She's gone in there and l- crushed these you know, legendary, iconic franchises and destroyed them. Disney, the immortal corporation of Walt Disney, is hemorrhaging money. They're talking about possibly selling assets because their movies are failing like this. And she is directly responsible, but nobody wants to fire this woman. It's incredible how, you know, when, you know the saying, you go woke, you go broke, but uh, to what point? Now, Bob Iger, and uh, this is an entirely different conversation, but something has to be done, Bob. You cannot let this continue. I'm just saying... You know, she ruined the Star Wars sequels. She's ruined the uh, final farewell to Indy. I cannot believe uh, this is how it's going down. Uh, and it's just, it, it's it's sad. And it was just a bad movie. I'm going to uh, probably do a video review for this for YouTube. So look out for that. But it came in number five. Again, $2 million at the box office. Insidious, The Red Door brought in about 1.9 million. Now, that's, a, 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 you know, not a bad number for uh, this film. Uh, it's, uh, let's see, domestic was a uh, total. So far, it's 71 million, 84 internationals, so 155 worldwide. Uh, opened at 33 million. It's in uh, 18 days of uh, release so far. It opened on July 7th. So it, it's uh, not even a month in. So it's going to make a little, bit, a little bit more money. Now the budget on this thing was not cheap either. But it, it wasn't as bad as some of these other budgets. Uh, but it was about $16 million you know, so it had to make about $35 million, I think, worldwide. So it did that domestically, and it, it's made more than enough. These movies always make money, the Insidious uh, films. And this is said to be the last one, even though they have a uh, prequel and a spin-off in development, I hear. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But Insidious The Red Door uh, is your... Number six movie of the weekend. Uh, number seven, the Elemental movie, which I have not seen. It's uh, it says follow follows Ember and Wade in a city where fire, water, land, and the air res- uh, residents live together. Uh, yeah, uh, probably won't see that. It's uh, making a lot of money, though. Domestically, it's brought in 137 million, 221 internationally, for a total of 358 million worldwide. And the budget on uh, Elementals, uh, let's see, budget 200 million. So it's kind of been bringing in about 400 million. It's close to that. Probably will get that, uh, which doesn't necessarily mean they actually, you know, made a profit. They probably still will be losing a little bit of money at the uh, theaters, but they'll recoup that with streaming, Blu-ray, 4K, and all that nonsense. They'll make money on on the on the movie if they leave it in theaters long enough. You know, it might make enough money to turn a profit in theaters. So. Let's see how long it goes. It's uh, 137 million domestically. I cannot see it making more than 145 to 150 million. You know, depending on the legs it has. Uh, maybe 155 million, you know, around there domestically. So we'll see where that lands uh, pretty soon. So that's Elemental. And that came in at number 7. Number 8. And uh, this is uh, another uh, fun flick. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Which is uh, a huge franchise uh, for Sony. And uh, let's see. For Marvel and uh, the Spider-Man fandom. Miles Morales uh, catapults across the multiverse again. Where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its very existence. When the heroes clash on how to handle the new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. It's a fun flick. Domestically has brought in about three hundred and seventy five million folks. And uh, that's a lot of bucko bucks. A uh, hundred and twenty million opening it brought in another three hundred million internationally for a grand total of six hundred and seventy five million now, for those of you who wonder why the flash didn't see this kind of return well uh yeah, there, there, there can be uh several reasons. Now what's very cool about this movie, it's budget was about $100 million, uh, uh, which is very impressive, since uh, uh, the milestone as of $600 million was passed on the uh, global box office scale. So uh, it's done more than enough to break even and to return a huge profit. Uh, once again, uh, another showing us when you make the movie right, People will see it. This is Sony Pictures, once again, actually making a fun flick for, uh, you know, the younger crowd because it is a cartoon. But even something that adults can enjoy. Look, they've hit it out, out of the park as far as I'm concerned with the Venom movies. Those were a lot of fun. They, of course, have half of, say, what happens with the uh, Spider-Man universe with Tom Holland and uh, what's going on with Marvel and... and those flicks Uh, so Sony right now is doing pretty well when it comes to how they're handling these projects which is really cool to see I I like the fact that at least they're being successful at giving the audience what they want to see you know and uh, a lot of these other superhero franchises are being crippled and bombing because they're not doing that flash bombed the box office for multiple reasons sadly enough michael keaton who's my favorite uh, of uh a lot of these batmans of course i'm a huge and Bale is my number one but i love michael keaton and uh, sadly though know, he was the first live action movie theatrical batman not counting out of west and uh Anybody else like Kevin Conroy who voiced the cartoons. But theatrically, Michael Keane was the, the first cinematic Batman. And I know they had planned Batman Beyond and other things. Uh, Batgirl, which got canceled. And uh, sadly enough, he I don't know if he'll be back for another uh, take on Batman. I still want to see a Batman Beyond movie. He was fantastic in The Flash. But the rest of the movie could have been so much better with a different actor. Now, while I will say this, I understand what Ezra Miller was going for, and I'll have a, a review on this, I'm sure, somewhere at right, some point. Uh, you know, with the way he portrayed the movie, the way he did a dual younger and older version, he was uh, very annoying with that younger laugh that he had, which just drove me nuts halfway through the movie. I just wanted the older uh, Barry to like choke slam the younger Barry. He was so annoying. And it's the same Ezra Miller. He's got a whole lot of baggages there. I don't think he's going to be brought back if they do a sequel or they reboot it. I don't know. Most likely it's going to get rebooted in the uh, James Gunn universe of the DC, which he's working on. So let's see what happens with that. But across the Spider-Man verse shows you that even in cartoon, if you do the movie correctly, even if it's about a multiverse, it'll make money. People understand it. What's thing they we didn't understand the Flash is that Warner Brothers just made another bad movie, and there's a backlash uh, to Warner Brothers because. They have turned out some really bad movies under the Snyder universe. This is under that Snyder umbrella. Aquaman, the first one, was pretty uh, you know, good, I ain't gonna lie, but I'm not looking forward to any of its sequels, really. Uh, Wonder Woman one was just okay. The sequel was horrible. I don't think they should make a part three to, uh, to that. Um, You know, you know my take on uh, Batman v Superman, Justice League, and Men of Steel. And, uh, you know, I didn't like those films. I was really hyped about Men of Steel. I like Henry Cavill. I think he's a good actor. Sad what James Gunn and Warner Brothers has done to the guy. Where they've kind of, I think, really have uh, mistreated him as an actor. But, hey, conversation for another day. Let's get back to what we're here about. Now, number nine this week is Transformers: Rise of the Beast, and uh, this has so far pulled in about 155 million. So you're probably looking at the domestic uh, run uh, total to end somewhere about 160, maybe for this movie. Uh, Now, um, I don't know you, you know you guys know too much about the storyline, but it says during the 90s, a new faction of Transformers, the Maximals uh, joined the Autobots as allies in the battle for Earth. I am an Autobot. But I'm a podcaster also. Now the budget on this thing, let's see. It was $200 million. So it's going to exceed $400 million to break even. It's done that at 427 So hopefully they get enough from the foreign market to make it break even. If they just, you know, leave it in the theaters long enough, they'll make it a nice little uh, return on this one. Not too big like the uh, first uh, movies uh, that came out in the Transformers uh, franchise, which were all huge at the box office. So it's it's not doing those numbers, but it's not too bad, all things considered. Number 10, a movie I have not even heard of, have no uh, inkling to ever see, and it's called No Hard Feelings, and I, I hope they have no hard feelings on me saying that, but I don't know, uh, it doesn't really look like it's up my alley. You know, it's like Barbie. It's a chick flick. So it's not something that, you know, I'm too interested in. And uh, it says here, and we'll give the quick synopsis on the brink of losing her childhood home, a desperate woman agrees to date a wealthy couple's introverted and awkward 19 year old son. However, he proves to be more of a challenge than she expected. And time is running out before she loses it all. $45 million budget. It is a Sony Pictures release. So, uh, you know, I was just giving them props. Maybe I should watch this. I don't know. You know, they're saying that it's along the lines of American Pie. So, hey, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's doing okay. Uh, the budget again, Ghana, uh, well, well, 45 minutes, we have to make about 50 million uh, to break even around the rate. Uh, it's uh, 49 domestically, 33 internationally, 82 worldwide. So it's broken even, uh, brought in a profit, and for whatever it makes here on out, uh, it's going to just add to that. So uh, congratulations to a movie I had no idea even existed just until now. Hard feelings. If I see it, I'll let you know my uh, thoughts on it. And uh, that's it for the week of uh, July 23rd, uh, or weekend of July 23rd. Box office results once again. Real quick, Barbie number one, Oppenheimer number two, Sound of Freedom number three, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one number four, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny number five, Insidious, The Red Door, number 6, Elemental, number uh, 7, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, number 8, number 9, Transformers Rise of the Beast, number 10, No Hard Feelings, and Just for Kicks, 11 was The Little Mermaid, 12 was The Flash, 13 was Joyride, 14 was Asteroid uh, City, Fifteen was uh, Theater Camp. Sixteen was Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. Release the Kraken. Number seventeen, Past Lives. Eighteen, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which was just mediocre. Number nineteen, uh, Terrifier. Number twenty, the Super Mario Brothers movie, Blockbuster, which is still in the top twenty. Incredible how much money, money that movie's made. Domestically alone, it's made $574 million. It's a billion-plus worldwide. So, again, you do a movie right, you connect to your audience, and you get a billion-dollar movie. Now, granted, the Mario franchise is iconic. It's, uh, you know, the face of the N- Nintendo brand for decades now. So there we have it, folks, That's the top 10 and top 20 box office results for the week of july 23rd 2023 i love doing these uh box office segments lots of fun till next time guys see you soon and uh, you know what to do mega 2024 peace